Jackie Chan rumbles in Vancouver. The Legend of Zelda begins in Japan, and Paul Walker eats a hockey puck this week in 30 2010. 30 Once again, welcome to a new episode of 302010. This is a weekly time capsule pop culture podcast BuzzFeed Ugg Boost. <laughs> <laughs> a vortex into the past. Uh, yeah. Where each week we look at the pop culture events of 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. That means 86, 96, and 2006. Spe- I'm one of your hosts, Brett Elston. Hi, I'm Chris Antista. I'm Henry Gilbert. I'm Dana Goodman. And we are going to talk to you today about several things, actually. Uh, beginning with 1986. With term life insurance. Ter- have you guys <laughs> thought about Gerber Health Child? <laughs> you can always use some more. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Your baby dies, you want a profit, right? I can crank them out, man. How much can you get every nine months? Anyway, news. Speaking of not living long. Shigechio Izumi in Japan uh, this week in 1986 in the news segment uh, allegedly the world's oldest man dies dies and I <laughs> at the contested age of 120 Whoa. so I looked into this and apparently like he was so old he predates old he? <laughs> he predates concrete rec- birth records so like <laughs> it's rumored that he is actually has his brother's birth certificate so may only be a hundred but he would right. like if if you could corroborate his age, which uh, he thought he was 120 when he died, and so did his family. Yeah. Uh, he would have been the oldest living person, I sure. think, to this day. Mm-hmm. Well, but there's a contested thing of a guy. Guinness later. does not acknowledge this. No. Yeah, so the, no. oldest un- the oldest undisputed case of a male longevity is uh, Jiroemon Kimura, also from Japan, lived from April 19th, 1897 to June 12th, 2013. Mm-hmm. Died at age 116. 116. And that is that is verified. Um wow. so yeah. He, so he, he lived like during an, cowboy times. He was like he was like past retirement age in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this wow. is for the young people to go to World War II, not <laughs> for me. Only 60 more years of this for yeah, me. You please. kids enjoy your Nazis. I'll well, be no, here. Seriously, like, okay, if they have retirement age at like 65, yeah. he spent like as much time in retirement as he did in his whole life. His life must have been okay. That's that. Uh, seems so. I don't know what, what he was eating, but that Okinawan diet, man, yeah, that'll dude. do it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of healthy. Uh, All that rice. Rice, That's fish, for you, lean, yeah. lean mm. living. Uh, but moving into movies for uh, 1986 this week. And again, this week period is uh, February 19th to the 25th. And again, if this is somebody in your first episode of this you're listening to, we do go sequentially week by week. So this mm-hmm. is uh, the week that we are ending. When this posts, it'll be February 25th. Yeah. So that's... If you have a time travel device and yeah. you opened a window, you would be sitting in February 19th, 1986 right now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. which the movies this week include Parting Glances, a Steve <laughs> Buscemi... I, I had not heard of this, but this the more we looked at it and watched the trailer, uh, uh, it kind of lit up. Steve Buscemi's first real big yeah. role, a real quote realistic look at gay life in mm-hmm. 80s Reagan America. I mean, yeah. he's, he's the best part of that trailer anyway. Yeah. Like he's the most natural actor of I, them. All the rest like feel like 
I'm a I'm in an important movie, and then while meanwhile yeah. Steve Buscemi's like I'm a cool dude and I'm an interesting character. Yeah. Well, you mentioned well, the trailer was notable when we watched it for like just having two guys kiss. Yeah, there's a lot of kissing in it. In which a for so that's what I, I don't. It's one minute long. I don't know where it comes from. It seems either before a video um, or maybe mm. HBO. Yeah. yeah, because there's a curse word in it that would not go in a normal trailer. Right. Um, so two clips here. It would have been a red band trailer. So this is our first listen. It was another day in New York. Robert was moving to Africa. Learning to play the piano. Only because it's gotten too settled. Michael was hating him for it. Thanks for pointing that up so clearly. Shall I murder you now or later? And Nick was dying of AIDS. <laughs> you know the difference between straight guys and gay guys? Uh, I forget. There isn't any. Parting glances. Whoa. Whoa. Parting glances. That's a big statement to make. You got in a film. Yeah. 1986, yeah. I would just be like, but I'm gay just from watching this trailer. <laughs> and also, like, it's a it was a huge risk for an actor to play gay back then too because you could get typecast the rest of your life mm-hmm. yeah. and even if you were a straight actor people were like yeah. eh, people won't see you as straight anymore yeah. let alone if you, you were must, a, you must I, be gay you kissed a boy for money in a movie because you well, were acting well, and also back then it was a risk for a gay actor to play gay as well because then mm-hmm. they were worried oh you'll never be believable as a straight man right. in a movie so because everyone's seen you kiss other guys and they know you like it and mm-hmm. every movie I see I cannot separate them uh, when someone turns into a werewolf I'm just like that. you're you're not a normal human but you're Iron Man you, but, you were in another movie and the moon came out and you just stayed a person how am I supposed to believe any of this but uh, yeah the films like these were important for their time and they definitely like opened a lot of doors they seem they seem as cliched now as like the you know Vietnam vet or whatever of like and of course there's a character dying of AIDS who yeah. will likely yes. die by the end of the movie. Right. What yeah. I really like about the trailer is how many times in one minute, and they don't do this anymore, and Grindhouse had the example of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times they say the name of the movie in the trailer. <laughs> uh, and So the next clip yeah. emphasizes that. It's okay. awesome. A story of sexuality. You reach puberty, you don't fucking decide which sex you like. You ask your dick. Parting glances, <laughs> hailed for its superb performances by talented newcomers. I explain why I'm leaving, goddammit. I told you I'll be back. You're leaving because you don't want to be around when Nick dies. You don't want to deal with me going through that. Parting glances. Jeez. <laughs> Parting. Parting glances. glances. Um, but also out this week, nine and a half weeks. Nine and a half Woo! weeks. A movie I know nothing about. Um, did you see Hot Shots Part Two? I sure did when I was like 13. So there's a scene where they have sex and do a bunch of food stuff in the kitchen that is a parody of Nine and a Half Weeks. And have that's you ever seen Ice move it. over somebody's thigh? That's, mm-hmm. uh, mm. Let me put it this way. It's the Fifty Shades of Grey of its time mm-hmm. okay. in that it's an erotic movie mm. uh, that is actually about a re- really emotionally abusive relationship. Ah. Yeah. But because there's a bunch of fucking in it, right. people... Took the wrong lesson. Took the wrong yeah. lesson. Also, I think it did really badly in the theaters, and this is when the home video market yeah. saved it. Yeah. So people could wank at home. Well, also, if in the, if in the early to mid-90s you watched any, like, Cinemax After Dark or Showtime, like, they were all inspired by this movie. But this sounds more steamy than, like, I'm gonna wink. Like, well, like it had more that story. Seems, that seems no, it's not like Debbie does Dallas. Or I, whatever. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine jerking off to someone putting an ice cube in my slowly belly caressing someone's yeah, no. thigh. In like nineteen eighty six. We got to speed this up. It man. was a very different time. You I think yeah. we call it's, it's, shot an, it's an erotic journey. Well, but maybe I not see. for men. We call this a real bean flicker. Uh, <laughs> 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 Two E's in real. That's why. Uh, sorry, Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger. Uh, in her, at her most beautiful. Yeah, she does look great. Uh, she at, looks pretty hot in uh, L.A. Confidential, though. Hell yeah. I need to see this that This is back when Mickey Rourke had a, a face. Oh, yeah, and he, he had like a, a face regular and one. And he, and he was, was beautiful, too. Good looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also about this week, uh, just briefly, The Hitcher with Rutger Hauer 
Cat and oh, Mouse yeah. Hitchhiker Thriller. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was eventually remade in 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But talk about, yeah, talk about Grindhouse. That's a Grindhouse movie, man. You got fucking Rucker Hauer hunting you down. Yeah. Classic stuff. I, is is Rucker Hauer still with us? Yes. Yeah. What yeah. a great name. Yeah. Yes, I Rucker Hauer. Love. When, oh, man, that Ladyhawk or Nighthawk, whatever <laughs> we saw. The, uh, the, with him versus Stallone. Yeah, yeah Nighthawk. I think. Nighthawk. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh, my God. And as far Was as Sean Bean is character in the uh, remake? I think so, yeah. 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 Uh, then he dies. In his post-Lord <laughs> of the Rings, post-Silent Hill world. Um, but uh, also, out, well, not out this week, but as we mentioned in prior episodes, the number one movie out this week was still Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two episodes ago, um, you'll actually see it in the title description, Down and Out. So yep. go to that one if you want to hear more about Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Uh, moving on ahead into TV, 1986, Jay Leno this weekend hosts SNL, February 22nd, 1986. Jay Leno in 86. It was wow. him at the height of his powers. Like, he was a big-time comedian. Just Everybody as, loved as a him. a stand-up? Was he guesting He on was guesting as yet? a stand-up. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, this is him on SNL. I think he was guest hosting uh, Tonight Show by that point. By 86? Yes. Yeah, what, do you think it was late right. 80s? I think so. But this, though, that was like they had a revolving door of, stand- of replacement hosts on mm-hmm. Tonight Show just because Johnny, Johnny likes working maybe three days a week or yeah. something at that point. Mm. Which... Um, but but anyway, yeah, this is Jay Leno wasn't mm-hmm. always a hack, everybody. Yeah, like people Do you hear about this? We're, we're, you hear about this? We're of a certain age. Oh, and I, I hear this from, I hear this from comics that like you just you'll never know the period of how how big Jay Leno was and how right. good he was because he didn't really record anything. Mm. Like it all exists in standard definition eighties TV signals and I remember him as the Doritos guy. Uh, that's my only pre tonight show memory of Jay Leno okay. and and Pat, Pat Morita and yes. uh, oh my god we collision just watched course. that collision course oh. I speak Japanese Toyota Honda that's uh, a joke from the movie uh, um, but did, oh did yeah we, did we cover that in the laser time about uh, failed vehicles for comedians and movies oh, I hope we did because Jesus Christ yeah but that, oh. that movie is on, you can stream it on HBO Go only in on full screen. It has like I don't think it's ever seen a DVD. It's never seen a DVD but release. You, you will get the director's vision. <laughs> what about the mise en scène? <laughs> so this is from the '85 and '86 season of SNL, which is uh, not good. Rebuilding year. And there's only there's only two clips online of it uh, from NBC, and one is his opener, which is just the classic comedian host SNL. So they do five minutes, and they just yeah, head of fish sticks. Like, actually, he's about. <laughs> TV Guide is the most read thing in America. How bad are we now that we're reading TV Guide? That's the most read thing. So you sent me a clip. Uh, but this clip it, is yeah. from a funny... This is a funny uh, sketch they do where it is... Uh, Norm MacDonald... Sorry, not Norm MacDonald. Dennis Miller, Damon Wayans, and John Lovitz wow. as new comics. And uh, guess who they're imitating as new comics who then meet Jay Leno, who's, the, who's playing a borscht belt old Vegas-style comic. Killer set. Hey, hot crowd. Yeah. Hey, you're not going to believe what just happened to me at the store. Well, hey, fill me in. Hey, I'm shopping for jackets, and I'm thinking, hey, why do they call it a sport jacket? Wow. Hey, you don't play sports in them. No way. Hey, maybe they should call them walking around jackets. Yeah. Or going out to a decent restaurant jackets. Hey. But what I want to know is, what's the deal with dinner jackets? What do you mean? I mean, hey, what if you wear a dinner jacket to lunch? Does the Major D make you take it off? Yeah, I mean, hey, does he make you wear a lunch jacket? Hey, it's a great time. Hey. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's amazing. There are still three it's minutes of this. It's awesome. <laughs> Honestly, Jay's not that. Maybe they should say fill it almost to the rim with brim because I don't want a lap full of Joe. Yeah. <laughs> 
Jesus. That is fucking awesome. <laughs> and what you're not seeing is they are all wearing the exact same costume, yeah. which is a sports coat and yeah. jeans and a shirt yeah. with a tie. Wow. Stand up, doing. But yeah, I had no idea. Like I knew Seinfeld was around in the '80s doing yeah. stand up. Thus, that could lead to him getting a network show mm-hmm. in the '90s. That that all that makes sense. But I didn't realize in '86 he was already enough to be parodied on SNL. Yeah. Well, the audience was- is. As the style of the time. Yeah, the uh, I mean, Seinfeld was just kind of at the forefront of that, and Leno is more of a '70s comedian going yeah. into the '80s. Mm-hmm. Like he's uh, he wasn't he didn't premiere in the '80s. He was he was that's how he got started. Is like a good buddy with Letterman that they were both coming up through the comedy store right. in the mid '70s in in L.A. But anyway, yeah, that finally ran that, out of comedy. That clip of them. <laughs> I wonder if the audience then even knew like they're making such like. There were tons of Seinfeld clones, but that is really Seinfeld. They were, they Those did, were all great. They Dennis did Miller it, doing a bit that's not him. No, he, he <laughs> rarely ever did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except when they need like a whole a big cast in the sketch, and they do another one that's just just as awesome. It's like Rob Schneider, Dana Carvey, and Adam Sandler on a on a game show called What's the Deal? And then like it just pulls over a topic. The black box. What's the deal with the black box? Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, this same week, uh, the girl who spelled freedom. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, real life story of a Malaysian immigrant who brought over family via winning the spelling bee. Yeah, wow. Honestly, that clip's not worth playing, but uh, but it's just all right. Uh, then. That's Let's a keep... great. Sounds like a great story, well, but Jesus Christ, that title. Yeah, no, I know. That's I. I wait, that's the... it sounds like a Troy McClure movie oh, all was, the way. Was God. freedom the word to win the spelling bee? Because oh, I, I hope it was. Uh, no, I watched. Uh, I kind of want to do a whole just. Um, I've, I got to craft it later, but we I can do it of a quiz of guess the plot of them based on the thing. Because oh. going through the TV of 86 and 96, you see, I see a million names of TV movies that are just like the most ridiculous yeah. things. They're all, they all are Troy McClure names of movies. <laughs> and since the, like you could never really search this movie out again, mm-hmm. it seems like, yeah, why don't we baffle the audience and have them show up? What's the... What's the movie called? The Girl Who Spelled Freedom. The Girl Who Spelled Freedom. What yeah. the hell is that? I don't know. We have three channels. That one sounds curious. <laughs> yeah, she, she, it was a very young girl who... It's she, that of the PGA Tour. Which do you want to watch? <laughs> she was a very young girl who emigrated by herself from Malaysia and in 1983 won the spelling bee and everybody was like, who's this kid who, like, English isn't even her first language? She wins the national spelling bee and uh, it then makes a case for bringing her parents into America. So Just thinking from, the idea of spelling bee... Yeah. Like, does that even work in like Chinese or Japanese? Because everything was well, it's like yeah, spell whatever, and it's like well, they're always the same things that like the building blocks. Well, I guess in kana it would be though. Then again, in like kanji letter, kanji can mean lots of different things. Yeah, you guys know more about these well, languages no, well, than no, I do. Well, no, just I mean, I don't. We, neither one of us know enough to like let's go win a spelling bee. But it's like the idea of like. Oh, Nakamura, it's like, it's going to be Nakamura. Mura. Oh, like, it's going to be the same chunks, whereas our, because our language is so, some French, Ridiculous. some German, some whatever, it's like, mm. spell through. Uh, which, well, that's why you which say one? origin, name, yeah, I know, or country yeah. of origin. Anyway. Maybe yeah. it's, it's uh, like, you have to write it. Could be like, like it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, what's the character for, you know, anti-disestablishmentarianism? And it's like, okay, <laughs> everybody sit down. Here we go. <laughs> you have to draw it with a, with a very select number of sticks. Yeah. <laughs> well, it started by writing uh, etches on bones. So that's how it all began. <laughs> uh, also this week, really quick, Grammy Awards this week in 86, We Are the World. 
And Phil Collins, no jacket required with the big winners. Oh, yeah. yeah. No jacket required, everybody. Yeah. Nope. Not a dinner jacket. <laughs> it's not e- even a lunch it, jacket. It's easy to make fun of Phil Collins. Dude, that album is great. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's also like I, I Googled it for a second just when we brought it up. And that that title is based on what? Like re- a restaurant at the time that didn't yeah. require you to wear a tie and jacket? Mm-hmm. You yeah, wouldn't know that when you Google it because the first result for three pages is just Phil Collins. He took a common saying... And now it's always and forever associated with Phil Collins. And does that one have Invisible Touch on it? It's like you made a, like Henry made an no. album called Please and Thank You that was so huge <laughs> you couldn't Google it without seeing Henry's name. Oh, that's no, where Susu no, Studio, Studio is. It has Studio. It has uh, Don't Lose My Number. Those are the big yeah. ones. Take Me Home. Take Me Home. Good song. The only, <laughs> really good song. The only thoughts yeah! I... The only thoughts I have on Susu CD are the ones that Patrick Bateman shares in uh, American <laughs> Psycho. Oh, man, take me home. Yeah, what am I doing? That's the song. That's the song we all want to hear. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't Lose My Number is amazing for having absolutely, like, a ton of instruments and none of them are real. <laughs> it's like the epitome of the 80s. Everything is fucking synthesized. Yeah, so it's like that, uh, that Super Bowl clip we played from the 86 the Super Bowl shuffle one where it's just like yeah there's like 600 people dancing <laughs> none of them are playing instruments yeah. but there's music everywhere well and it was amazing that Phil Collins could he had this but he still was in Genesis like he still fronted yeah. Genesis at the same time Man. No, I, I don't know how much overlap they had they would go back and forth and back and forth okay. he would do a, a couple of solo mean, like, albums then go back to that but yeah but he wouldn't he didn't like I'm quitting Genesis to do a solo album he I still would do I actually so. did research this recently oh? <laughs> they just reunite they, they never yeah. broke up and they reunited several times about the time you Henry were probably getting into music Genesis had reunited and was on tour oh, okay. making albums again for like the third time uh, that first Genesis album is so good and they make the Broad one Rocky is hell like what Lamb Lies Down on Broadway or I forget the name of the album back, but back like, when it was Peter Gabriel or when it was Phil Collins I think it was I actually don't know. Gabriel okay. started it. Yeah, yeah, Gabriel started. I just was like handed it as like files and listened to it for like a month and was like, I remember yeah. loving it, but now I'm like, I can't remember if it was Phil Collins or not. Yeah. I, if it's the first one, I guess that's pre. Yeah. Yeah, We Are the World, Inescapable. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's now outgrown its legacy of being a Michael Jackson thing and it's just like, yeah, it's just nice. Well, it, it is neat if you just read the list of who was there and realize, whoa, <laughs> it's it is an incredible Dan, list. Dan, 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 and then they'll be like, like, wait, who? It's like, oh, the Pointer System. Okay, yeah, sure. Hall notes. All right. Who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's like a couple guys. It's like I don't know who that guy is. I did Sorry. try to do this in karaoke uh, last year or so, and then uh, about halfway through uh, the five and the six minute song, <laughs> do I realize? Oh, this is not a good karaoke song no. at all because yeah. this just goes. It's very somber, and you got to like just listen to it yourself. Yeah. It's not a. Because uh, I don't remember. All right. That's enough, Phil. That's uh, what but your parents would listen to every time they drove home from college. <laughs> how young are you? How, what? Talking to the listeners, baby, not you. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, <laughs> music this week, uh, outside of the Grammys that we just talked about, new albums include Elvis Costello, King of America, his 10th album. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, The Ultimate Sin, the fourth <laughs> album, uh, would eventually be double platinum with Shot in the Dark. Uh, last, I wrote this down uh, just as a note from the wiki. Uh, last appearance with guitarist Jake Lee who had been with Ozzy through a lot of his career, mm-hmm. uh, was fired via telegram by Sharon for reasons that are still <laughs> unknown. Telegram. telegram. Um, she is a, she's a, she's a tough, tough woman. customer. Yeah. yeah, Smart businesswoman she is. Um, but uh, sadly, the number one song was... Oh, man, it sucks. It's still How Will I Know from uh, Whitney Houston, uh, which won't be number one next week, uh-huh. and it probably won't take us out of the segment because of what is the... Big thing for me that happened this week. Obviously, it didn't affect us yet, but 
video games. We don't oh, do yeah. a whole lot of games in 86 because not a lot was going on in the U.S. especially. But you'll, if you're reading the internet this week, you're probably seeing a lot of articles about the original Legend of Zelda. And that is because it came out uh, February 21st, 1986 in Woo. Japan. Uh, we wouldn't get until August 87, a year and a half after. Um, so, so Zeruda no Densetsu. Densetsu. Uh, so, yeah, you will see a lot of these articles used again in August next year. Um, <laughs> it's great to re-promote. Easy, yeah. Man. Uh, get that SEO in now, dog. 30th anniversary. Uh, but so Japan, this premiered on the Famicom Disk System, yes, which was I'm a confused. add-on to the Famicom. Mm-hmm. We didn't get it. It was announced at 1.2 come here, mm-hmm. and then it didn't because... Basically, imagine like an A drive wow. for your NES. He brought you, one, by the way. I people. brought a visual aid because the last time I was in Japan, I'm like, I have to get Zelda the Famicom Disk System because now, it's the actual original one. And the other point of them was they were rewritable, yeah. so you could oh, you could okay. take them to your local convenience store yeah. in Japan oh. and buy a new game, and then they'd rewrite it on. Yeah. I yeah. could see so it from a Nintendo. It, it, okay, so it's basically a three and a half inch floppy. Yep, mm-hmm. it's basically that. And also, let me take a look at it here. I think uh, the mascot is on it too. Yeah, right. there he is, Disk Coon. Disk Coon. I have his hat. The, on the he's shaped like the disc man. He's just like, yeah, I'm the disc. Yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, disc coon would show up later in Super Smash Brothers Melee as a trophy <laughs> yeah. if you switch the language to Japanese. Yeah, and it's like it's inter- Zelda was like nothing I'd ever seen, ever played, yeah. and part of that was because it required a save system because it was not all that linear and I remember hating it when I played it in oh, yeah. uh, 87 just because I didn't understand what to do yeah so there's there's yeah. there's still yeah there's a lot to unpack for me with Zelda because like I mean I have four you like Zelda, it or something four right? Zelda tattoos <laughs> and the first one I got is on my left arm of the box art from Zelda mm-hmm. 1 in the any in the NES version, which has this cool crest, mm-hmm. which you can tell they intentionally did because in America, this like anime-looking art, they're going to be like, get that kitty comic book crap out of here. Until like 1999, most game publishers were terrified yeah. of anime-style art. Yeah, like like uh, Simon Belmont, you're a barbarian now, and like <laughs> like it, everybody has to be a big beefy He-Man-looking guy in the 80s. So. You didn't even get Link on a cover of a Zelda game, it's true. kind of ever, ever, until like Wind Waker, basically. Wind Waker, Wind Waker was HD. the first one, yeah. <laughs> um, no, in Wind Waker, he's there, but he's like he's, all covered in gold. Yeah, and so he's Toon Link on top of that. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, this is a game that the first time in the, in the U.S. when you see it, it was notable for being on a gold cartridge. Because mm-hmm. when they released it here, they're like, look, it, they know it's going to be an uphill battle because mm-hmm. this game, unlike all the others... And this, why it meant more to me was like, unlike Mario, or by the time we got it in 87, by the time I probably played it, it was more like 88, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Uh, everything else was super linear. Yeah. Like, move left to right, do the one thing this game was advertising to mm-hmm. you. Whereas this was a game you would go to school, like first grade, kindergarten, first grade, and you'd have to talk with your friends yeah. and be like, wait, where's the third labyrinth? Where did you go? You, find you pushed did you do this snail in this direction. Yeah, and this game just invited you to poke and prod and look around yeah. and, like, you can't, like, just bomb everything, burn everything and try to find, <laughs> like, a hidden passage here and where does that go? And, oh, that that's a shortcut. Well, not you don't really shortcuts, but, like, there's hidden some items. There's here I'm not finding. Like, yeah. It was just, it kind of was a magical like it, feeling. Like, yeah. I could discover anything here. Yeah, and it was a sense of, like, I am actually on an adventure versus mm-hmm. like Mario where I'm just I'm breaking blocks, I'm jumping on Goombas well, and you're it's like on silly an stuff. Olympic course like here. Yeah. Now go that way. Yeah. Uh, and you're done when you you're done when you get there. Uh, Zelda yeah. was not that and I don't remember what made me try it a second time, but it was like all it took was like a second time a year later and just yeah. oh, there's another one of these. Fantastic. Yeah. And again really quick for the for the disc system wasn't that the game itself largely the same. Mm-hmm. The main difference is uh, these discs have a side A and a side B, mm-hmm. so that lets oh. it hold more data than at the time a typical Famicom cart could hold. 
Uh, there's also oh, an extra sound channel. Oh. We should should break in if you don't know what a three and a half inch floppy disk is. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the save icon in Word. There you go. <laughs> oh, it's still there. It's still there. It's yeah. still there. Wow. Kids you, today have no idea what you the hell that is. Don't see it. Just ask Clippy. Clippy. <laughs> I'm sure even Clippy's getting. Old I can help you with this. No, I don't know what this is. I haven't used Word in a while. Can't afford it. Uh, so the other thing about the, the the disc system, so a lot of the games that premiered on that, they just came over to America on regular NES carts, and that's how we played them. But the thing that the main reason why it didn't come over here is one, getting people to buy an add-on is already a risky proposition. Sure. But two, it's got motors and shit in it. So mm-hmm. the one I bought to play this thing uh, is worked for like twelve seconds, and you could hear <laughs> <laughs> and like. Yeah, the the whirring motors and the, the it has like a belt like a freaking engine in a yeah. car because it's a motorized thing and so I got to like find someone who can fix a Famicom disc system mm. which requires actual mechanical knowledge to and, fix and a part you might have to craft yourself. Yeah, out of <laughs> yeah. So that sucks, but it has that it has an extra sound channel so you get some like monster sound effects and other things and and the title screen music is different which we'll hear in a second, but uh, a couple little quick uh tidbits about Zelda. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all from the wiki, but um, these are things that you can have been corroborated multiple times. Uh, Miyamoto was saying, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, creator of everything you like. Yep. Uh, uh, Zelda was the name of the wife of famous novelist F. Scott Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. She was a famous and beautiful woman from all accounts, and I like the sound of her name, so I took the liberty of using her name as the very first Zelda title. Yep. And that's why she's no, Princess and Zelda. And that's why you end up finding Zelda burned to death in an insane asylum? Mm. So you played. Uh, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> you play as a good character named Zelda. Well, yeah, when Link dies early, she doesn't do so well after that. But um, <laughs> no, in uh, well, that's funny because in Japan, I read this interesting article by um, Murakami, the uh, the famous like author now. That um, I forget when exactly, but they didn't get Japan got uh, the Great Gatsby later than the rest of the world but when it came over it was a big deal it was like wow the Great Gatsby this is amazing and and it's been like localized multiple times Murakami has even done a localization of it for Japan and that he talks about how he is it, is, it was a huge influence on him too so you know it's not the Great Gatsby is, is not just any random book in, in Japan mm. Uh, another thing you mentioned in the wiki, uh, Koji Kondo, the composer who's composed also many things that you love from games like Mario and Zelda, uh, composed the game's music. He initially planned to use Maurice Ravel's Bolero as the game. I'm shocked that it was ever out of, or it was in yeah. copyright. He planned that. to use that as the game's title screen music, but was forced to change it when he learned late in the cycle that the copyright had not yet expired. <laughs> Uh, as a result, he wrote a new arrangement uh, within one day. And you've never heard it. And the songs, like the Zelda one Overworld day. and the title screen and stuff, but like the title screen benefits from this extra sound channel uh, mm-hmm. that this system has. Uh, and also weird little quirks like apparently, and I, I totally forgot this, but according to the wiki again, it's like the Famicom disc system and other things had a microphone that you could actually blow into and it would do, and or you could interact with the game sort of like the DS Lite would do years, yeah, late, years yes. later. Embarrassing me on public transit. Yes. Uh, but the one of the enemies called a Pole's Voice, one of these rabbit heads that bounces around, mm-hmm. it'll say like in the manual, in, the, in English, it would say hates loud noise and you're supposed to be like, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> but in that one, you could actually blow in the mic and it would kill the monsters. Yeah, that, wow, that like, always confused me when I would see Famicom controllers and see like a box on it like a sound yeah. thing like yeah now i get it I get but uh it. taking us out of the 86 segment is uh that 
title screen music, which I played on an episode of VG Empire, because mm-hmm. if you're used to hearing that Zelda 1 title screen, and again, this is like when I saw that gold cart, it's reflecting off the sunlight in a friend's house. Like, it couldn't have been more <laughs> picturesque and practically planned by fate itself that that is how I would see it as the sun sets directly on this gold <laughs> cartridge. And I'm like, what is that? And then I just became obsessed with it. Um, hearing that title screen music again... It's this amazing animated title screen when everything else at the time was usually just, you turn it on, it's just mm-hmm. static. Super yeah. Mario Brothers, Mega Man, mm-hmm. Mario, mm-hmm. Castlevania. It's just, that's it. This is a waterfall, a sword with a little like light gleaming on it, and then it goes dark, and then this like dramatic music comes, and you get a text scroll that explains mm-hmm. what's about to happen, and here's all the items you're going to find, and you're like, this is the coolest. And when you're seven or eight years old, it's like, the, how can something this cool like even 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 games that I already like. How it can, this is so far beyond what all the other games are doing, and yeah. this is just. And I love that cutlass in the logo, even though it's not yeah, like that yeah, sword yeah. is not in the game. Yeah, like, but not, it looks so perfect. Yeah. Um. But the music taking us out is the disc system version, uh, which sounds slightly different. Um. And if you know that Zelda title screen music well, you'll be like, that's what it was actually like in the first place. Uh. So we'll go out with that and come back with what went on this week in 1996. Unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. Daniel Bryan was on the path of Chris Benoit, and that is not good. Chris Benoit had the brain of an 80-year-old. Like, his brain was mush when he <laughs> killed himself because of tons. And two others. Don't, don't undersell them. And the two others. <laughs> and, but that was from a history of concussions. And it was because he kept wrestling another three years after he won the title, and then tragedy, Captain Tragedy struck. <laughs> Listen to Cheap Popcast on the Laser Time Network and on iTunes and on the internet every Friday morning. Down with Zelda from the very start. I got the heart and smarts to play the part. Down with Zelda. Creeping through with an overhead view. Cause a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. So I stay on track. Collect the facts. 
never cut the slack, and I always watch my back for Jack. I'm the man with the plan, cause the power's in my head, and the power's in my hand. us in to 1996's Bruce Dickinson, Inner Space off the album Skunk Works. What? You might remember Bruce Dickinson from uh, the lead as the Iron Maiden lead vocalist. Yes. Uh, had uh, a new album out this week, Skunk Works, and actually asked, because I know nothing about Iron Maiden, Yeah. Uh, as evident by all the scrolling I've had to do for this. So I asked uh, Pat, Patrick Kulikowski, who's been on a couple of our mm-hmm. other podcasts like VG Empire, Luke. Uh, just really quick, uh, what is, what's going on with Bruce Dickinson in this? Uh, left Iron Maiden in 93 to pursue a solo career. Um, he says, I personally thought his early solo stuff like Balls to Picasso uh, <laughs> were just okay. Uh, more alt-rock uh, than what other stuff. But uh, Meanwhile, Iron Maiden recruited Blaze, Bla- Blaze Bailey and made two albums with him in 95 and 98. Uh, and while I think Blaze is an okay singer, his style is more baritone and was a really poor fit for Iron Maiden. Uh, I like this guy's opera. Like, I, he's got a very. Uh, How would you replace this guy? He's got a very rush. Uh, yeah, I was really about to say this is like Getty, Getty Lee's Lee, younger yeah. brother. I love Iron Maiden, and when you said Bruce Dickinson, I didn't think Leeds, even though I knew his name. Uh, I thought the character Christopher Walken plays in the cowbell sketch because that is legendary producer Bruce Dickinson. Gotta have more cowbell. Wow. That's, uh, that's right, uh, the Bruce Dickinson. The Bruce Dickinson. He wear gold-plated diapers and shit hits. It's a terrible walk-in. <laughs> uh, also this week for the Aussies, you got Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Woo. as well as uh, an album from Lou Reed and Shakira's third album, Woo-hoo. already in 96. I did but- not know there was a time where Shakira and Lou Reed overlapped. <laughs> for one beautiful week. <laughs> uh, one Sweet Day Still. The number one song, <laughs> and it's been there since this show began. Uh, I think it's still a long time to we're free of it. Weeks ago, oh uh, yeah. nineteen ninety six movies number one this week. As we talked about last week, uh, we talked about Broken Arrow, which mm-hmm. came out, meaning this Deku. week it it is number one. I hate that line <laughs> so much. Uh, but this but week, who cares about that? Yeah, this week a big movie for uh, a lot of us here at later time. Actually, oh, it's funny, you know, Broken Arrow. Directed by John Woo, so that's part one of the Hong Kong uh, invasion of China. Now uh, part two is Rumble in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackie Chan's, let's say, eighth t- chance to uh, break into uh, Western theaters. Yeah, but this is the big one. This is the time it's stuck. This is yeah. the one that's stuck, and he, from this point on, was kind of present in some form until, well, even now. He's still... A little bit, yeah. 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 Well, just, in, just in Kung Fu Panda 3. Yeah. He, just didn't come he gets three. four lines yeah. in those movies. But what yeah. Jackie Chan is in his young and stunts yeah. are a young man's game. And yeah. like, well, he, it was a problem for us. It's kind of like say when Pele became a soccer player in America, that his mm. his best years were behind him. And same with Jackie. Like he's he was in his That's late thirties, and yeah. those were some hard living late thirties. Not not from drugs or alcohol, but from stunts breaking his skull open, yeah. <laughs> yeah. having like a clear hole in his, literal hole in his head. Nothing yes. will entertain you more than the keywords Jackie and. 
chin and outtakes. Oh yeah, <laughs> Dude, yeah. a and whole this, generation of kids don't know those outtakes, man. Yeah, yeah. this uh, I'll probably play it in one of the breaks. Or <laughs> he apparently is in a movie called Kung Fu Yoga. That's God. what he's doing now. But it, it's sad because he's he's a good actor, but English isn't his first language, and he's known for f- his physicality, yeah. which he can't do anymore. So we don't see him yeah. that much anymore because he's not the greatest actor because mm-hmm. English isn't his first language. Right, it's tragic. I think Henry and I both read in the '90s his uh, autobiography, yep. uh, "My Life in Action," which I still have, and like it, it tells his whole life story of growing up in like a theater, in a, where, a Peking theater troupe, yeah. and which uh, pretty much is like this. He he supports it. He's like, oh, this was this taught me everything, and also it was a horribly abusive environment where I was like beaten. Uh, let's just say very strict, uh, strict teachers. Yeah, there. just like yeah. like oh, you're you're. Uh, your thing today is uh, just hold these buckets of water for nine hours. That's your lesson for the day. And I will hit you with a cane if you drop them. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, Rumble in the Bronx uh, was uh, filmed, like, I think came out a year prior elsewhere, but then they mm-hmm. redub it. Without, with Jackie doing his with own dub. Jackie doing no, his own dub. He didn't, actually. Not in that one? Not, no. not until Super Cop. Apparently. Oh, okay. But, My bad. Uh, that. Yeah, this. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. But he's, yeah. his, he's his own voice in this movie. Is he? I was pretty yeah. sure it was. Yeah, his maybe voice it was. It says, says Super Cop, and maybe it's straight to video. And I know we got those movies out of order, and the Super yeah. Cop was the next one. We get, but that yeah. was Super they, Cop Two. Yeah, that's the way it got really crazy. We got some in the theaters. Well, we got a bunch on video. Super Cop was Police Story Three. Right, mm-hmm. Police Story Three. It was called Super Cop here, and then I think there was like a Super Cop Two, which was my, probably something else entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first and three then, for you us. Know, we got Drunken Master, Legend yeah. of the Drunken Master, which is actually Drunken Master Two. Yeah. Which got hacked up bad. Which got hacked up bad by Harvey Scissorhands, yeah. The order was Rumble, Super Cop, First Strike, probably Mr. Nice Guy after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can remember this. Operation Condor. Who Might am I? That. That Who am I? Was like after I think some of these yeah. went to video. HBO, yeah. But okay, for for yeah. me, I think it was my first Jackie Chan movie. Yeah, and it is yeah. your first Jackie Chan movie is an amazing like yeah. mind blowing experience. Like <laughs> somebody can do these things. He does all his own stunts. Like that yeah. was that was the selling point in all the commercials too. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't do all his own stunts. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just like at a time when especially in '96, Arnold's still big. Stallone is still mm-hmm. kind of circling around. Van Damme is still oh this guy can do more. Martial arts, but here's a guy, Jackie Chan. He's better than all of you put he's, together. He is the physicality, the athleticism, and then you're, you watch the movie kind of in awe and like, oh wow, he can. And then you watch the, the, the choreography. Outtakes that, is the thing that gets me. Is mm-hmm. yeah. How it, complicated it, some of these things yeah. are. And it looks like magic when you watch it, yeah. but then you see the you see all the bad takes yeah. of injuries. And there's and, a, a wonderful one of the best videos channels on YouTube is Every Frame of Painting. Every Frame of Painting has this great eight minute thesis on Jackie Chan that is beautiful and shows you why. Uh, at the time, modern uh, American action movies sucked ass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Uh, I don't think Jackie gets enough credit as a filmmaker. As a comedian. Like, and as a comedian. Yeah. yeah. He is, he's a silent... He he says a million times, Buster Keaton is one of his number one influences. This yeah, is one of my, absolutely can see it, too. We didn't. I didn't grab any uh, lines because it's all like going to be dubbed silliness, but this is my favorite line when he runs into a... like a. I forget. It's been so long since I've watched it, but it's like... A layer of some guys, and there's a bunch of people partying and hanging out, and I think these are the people who trashed his, st- his store earlier. Well, yeah, so it's classic. It's it's a classic action film setup where he he moves to the Bronx, to <laughs> not uh, to Vancouver, visit, to visit Definitely. Uncle. Did and you know the Bronx has a beautiful snow capped mountain behind <laughs> it? Uh, and he moves there to help his uncle and uh, his uh, daughter in a shop. I think it's his cousin. The, the the, but anyway, the he's helping her in her shop, and it keeps getting like fucked with by 
evil white guy gangs. Yeah. And so and then Jackie beats the shit out of them yeah. in humorous ways. But this is my favorite moment of the whole movie is he runs in and they're all partying and he picks up like a VCR and a stereo and throws it and then yells at him. You are all garbage. And then beats the shit out of thirty yeah. people. Yeah. Oh uh, man, when he like dives through the uh, the shopping cart and like oh, jumps yes. around and then like so the, cool. just hitting around all the like he 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 built such amazing like just yeah. stunt factories yeah. for him mm-hmm. to go to. It and was this, so great. This has a great thing where he jumps on a hovercraft at the end that's yes. going under a bridge and in the clip in the outtakes you can watch like he breaks his ankle doing that and then you see him in the outtakes like oh no my foot's broken so they paint his cast for one of the shots to look like a shoe because yeah. like well we have to we have a hovercraft dude like we, <laughs> we gotta finish we this. have it only for today <laughs> so they paint his cast to look like and if you're looking for him like oh that's clearly a cast really? painted to look like his other shoe um, but this really quick it did start like there was a movie Big Brawl in mm-hmm. 1980 which I rented after I saw Rumble in the Bronx because I'm like there's another Jackie Chan the other Jack the one oh. other Jackie Chan and it's nowhere near as good and they. His voice is all over the place, yeah. and then we know he was in like things like Cannibal Run. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's the thing. It seemed but like this ho- was Hollywood, like, yeah. America, Hollywood did want the best for Jackie Chan, but he could never break through in anything. And I remember because well, they tried to make him into Bruce Lee, which he yeah. isn't. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's, yeah. that's definitely part of it because uh, Battle Creek Brawl was like I think his Western launch thing. Remember, like uh, at mm. our local theater, they were going to do a revival show of that, the original print, and I think they st- they maintained they lost the rights in the middle of like trying to acquire this. What year is it? 1980. Yeah. 1980 was like the first time America tried to launch Jackie Chan. Can- yeah. He's in Cannonball Runs, I think literally playing a character named Toyota. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. As Japanese. Yes. And, yeah, but and still, like, given yeah. as much screen time as Dean Martin and... Yeah, <laughs> they still, like, they give him a, a small... Fight. Yeah, and, but, but it, it, took, it is until, more like a Bruce Lee style fight. There aren't the same tricks or the same choreography. It's just a cool fight. But it took and for, then, it took sixteen years for him to break. Well, yeah, because then he gave up on it and was like, you know what? Fuck this. Hong Kong has an amazing like it has a growing film industry already, yeah. and I can control everything. Yeah, which is pipeline does. built to make martial arts movies. So it was yeah. it was tra- it was a tragedy that took that long. But to like to Jackie Chan's benefit, once he did. Oh, this guy has eleven hundred movies that you can just <laughs> yeah. market to everyone now. All came and, over, and I, yeah. I gave you a, two mm. special clips because mm-hmm. I do think this had a lot to do with it. Please welcome Bob Dole's favorite director, Quentin Tarantino. I just want to take that as the most '90s clip we're going to have this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's John uh, Lovitz great. at the MTV Movie Awards <laughs> introducing Quentin Tarantino. To give an award, a uh, lifetime achievement award to Jackie Chan, who clearly the whole audience has not really heard of. Right. And Tarantino has written he about Jackie Chan in his thing about him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's referenced that I love Jackie Chan, and like I, I remember I saw a documentary on Jackie Chan with my dad, but like in a blockbuster, they didn't carry those kind of movies. Right. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. find them, and like so I knew he was out there somewhere, and I couldn't discover him. And, Tar- and I think Tarantino's speech at the 1995 Music Awards mm. paved the way for like a New Line Cinema pre Lord of the Rings. Buying the rights to Rumble in the Bronx and bringing it out to America. Mm. I'm here to give Jackie Chan a Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm. And I almost feel like I deserve a Lifetime Achievement Award for being asked to do that. All right. Because it's one of the achievements of my lifetime to honor one of my heroes of all time. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's, that, and also Tarantino at his most. Tarantino. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Delivery. Well, is he a... probably had just done about eight lines of Coke. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> no, but he was... That was something too. I wish I had been part of that generation mm-hmm. that that Tarantino was of the film yeah. of the video store clerks yeah. who got the imported 
orange uh, bootlegged Hong Kong VHSs of all the awesome movies that nobody in America yeah. was even putting out. That's and, what all my copies of Rugrats looked like. And they, <laughs> uh, anything and, after season three is not canon. And that is still what I did in the mid nineties after this film came out. I I super got into Hong Kong mm-hmm. cinema. I watched every Chinese fat film, every John Woo film, and every Jackie Chan film, and mm-hmm. they're all great and. The, if I could tell you ones to watch, definitely Drunken Master 2 and yeah. get it where it's Drunken Master 2, not the recut one. Uh, I would also say the original police story is amazing, or at least the end fight scene in the mall where yeah, they great. break more glass yeah. than any film has ever broken. <laughs> yeah, uh, It's also great. And police I, Story 3's got Michelle Yo. Yeah, and she's great. Yeah. I also, she's the ball. I also did want to mention that this film... The, I don't want to undercut his co-star, Anita Mew, as mm. well. Or Mui, sorry if I mispronounce it. But she she passed away in 2003, but Aww. she was so fucking funny. She was the she was hired to be the comic relief in his movies. Like oh, she's yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. she's the put upon yeah. owner of the place in Rumble in the Bronx where she's the great, yeah. being torn apart. And she also plays his stepmother <laughs> in Drunken Master Two. Oh yeah. And she's hilarious in that as well. Like yeah. she is awesome. Uh, Ebert, Ebert in his review, uh, and this is a great, this is perfectly, this is a great write-up. Any attempt to defend this movie on rational grounds is futile. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me about the plot and the dialogue. Don't dwell on the acting. The whole point is Jackie Chan. And like Astaire and Rogers, he does what he does better than anybody. There's a physical confidence, a grace and elegance to the way he moves. There is humor to the choreography of the fights, which are never too gruesome. He's having fun. If we allow ourselves to get in the right frame of mind, so are we. Damn. It's like nice. that's why, and it's yep, yeah, perfect. and it's like that is R. why Ebert, I watched all of these damn movies, and that's why I fucking love Mr. Nice great. Guy. It is not a good movie, no, it really is, but it has like two amazing fight scenes in it. So it does uh, what, the the chain fight, the chain, oh, yeah, so amazing. I, that that was part of the fun of seeing these in a theater too, is when because once people knew, once we were in on it too, of like how crazy these stunts are, and we know how. Watching the outtakes, how many times he will get clocked by a pinball machine <laughs> or have a door slam on his fucking kneecaps or something. Yeah. Like, we know he gets hurt. So when you watch, like, oh, he's jumping over two saws. And you can hear the whole audience go, oh, God. Because, yeah. you know, that's two real saws. Yeah. He's not fucking around with another, some fake plastic. Another favorite thing of mine with Jackie Chan is that in most of his movies, if you at least in the, the Chinese editions... He sings the song over the credits because he's like, you know what? I want to be a singer. And I'm <laughs> yeah, he really the credit does. Song, so yeah. they sometimes replace it because, well, whether they're good or bad songs, honestly, it might be a lost in translation thing. But I can't tell if he's a good singer in right. Mandarin or Cantonese. I can't tell which dialect yeah. he's using. And if we're gonna recommend stuff, then I'm gonna recommend two Buster Keatons, uh, the mm. end of Steamboat Bill Jr. Mm-hmm. If you don't want, just want to skip to the end, it is. Fucking insane. Same thing. It's all real stunts. Mm. He's very nearly being killed in all of the general. General is just yeah. a fantastic yeah. movie. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It does have Good. blackface. Yeah. But, you know, what didn't in 1920? Also about this week, uh, let's see. These is, also deserve a lot of talk. Yeah, two <laughs> other movies that deserve a fair amount of talk, but we got to kind of blow through a little. Uh, is Bottle Rocket yeah. on February 21st. Oh, wow. this is in, that these two movies released on the same goddamn Week. week that is, that is, is crazy weird. so Wes Anderson, Rock- the first yeah. movie Wes Anderson based on a short film that he had made with his friends the Wilson brothers all three of them oh wow oh wow and yeah Luke Owen and uh, Ugly I, no Andrew I think uh, he's yeah he's the uh, he's a zippo, zippo he of plays the, the he plays Owen. the jock uh, Future yeah. Man he's fine I love yeah. Bottle Rocket but I, it's, actually uh, Future Man's pretty good I, yeah. it, this this movie came out at a time like uh, we're in a post Tarantino world and all of my dumbass teenage friends are obsessed with the idea of 
we're we're gonna pull a heist too someday and like that's what this movie is about is about mm. two dipshits who pull a heist that they're not capable of doing mm. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, and Owen's so Owen's really good in it and, and kind I, of like a deep performance for yeah he, as Dignan it's mm. great I have two clips of uh, him Bob Maplethorpe potential getaway driver go well I think there's a real area of mystery about don't him. complicate it your number one strength is you have a car you can provide sell yourself start over ready <laughs> go okay alright I'm a risk taker I'm growing an entire crop of marijuana plants in my parents' backyard. I, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Th- this movie, it seems really small it's and hard to recommend. It is. Too. It's yeah. hard to yeah. forget the, how twee, how twee Wes Anderson is. It's mm-hmm. easy to forget that he is a Texan. He's a Texan, and this is like yeah. this is yeah, a weird movie in that respect. Mm-hmm. I think Rushmore was shot in Texas as well, mm-hmm. but based on the school he went to in Texas. But his obsession with like European architecture would kick mm-hmm. in with. Uh, What's it called? The Royal Tenenbaums that never go away forever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been it, a curse on this film ever since. <laughs> There's I another clip know. here called Dignan Blows I, Up. Yeah. Dining. Dining? Dining? Yeah. Don't give a $500 tip to the housekeeper. That's inappropriate. <laughs> That's inexcusable. That I don't forgive. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? That's what don't she is. Don't call her the housekeeper. Don't threaten me. That's what she is. She is a housekeeper, right? People are housekeepers. You better watch it, Dignan. You don't, don't know what me. you're talking don't about right me, now. Man. Her name's Inez. And my name's Dignan, man. So what? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm like positive. I'm positive they're improving, and that's yeah. it's, it strangely happens very little when Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson act together. And I do really like these scenes, no, especially no, between I, them. You know, I I like the movie well enough. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have a natural bias towards it because between this and Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. every fucking film student at my fucking yeah. film school wanted yes. to make Heist Gone Wrong movies. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, shut the fuck up. But the Heist are even heist. garbage. So like, you're it's you're it's from just... Torrance. You don't know anything but about at that, it. In that sequence, <laughs> but... Luke Wilson's character has given away the money, that, the meager yeah. amount of money that they have stolen in just a simple armed robbery. And then they try and get involved with the big guys and they just steal from them as yeah. well. Yeah, I think the, the point James though Con's is... like the James worst part of it, The point is not the plot, though, in the movie. The point is the characters. When they're shooting the bottle rockets, like that's the most beautiful scene in it. He's not. Wes Anderson, it's his first film. Like, he's not. There's some good shots in it, but he's not as skilled a filmmaker as he will be with Rushmore. Also, one last thing. Uh, you can thank Rushmore's existence also to James L. Brooks. He was the executive producer oh. on it. He, hmm. uh, when I got the, uh, I I bought the shooting script of Rushmore as a book, mm-hmm. and in the start is an intro from uh, from James L. Brooks that is very touching mm-hmm. and just about how he discovered he saw the short film. He was like, I got to make this film happen, and uh, oh. it's really. It also has a bit about from Wes Anderson of him taking the ailing and soon to die Pauline Kale to see Rushmore Aww. and how he was just he so wanted her to review it but Aww. Pauline I, Kale I, was a reviewer for the New Yorker <laughs> for the New Yorker oh, for geez. a million billion years I, I also remember though that uh, or was it Village it, Voice like no, New it York. Doesn't matter. Or, or Village Voice, you're right. Anyway, uh, I remember at the end of 99, Martin Scorsese and R- Roger Ebert mm-hmm. had a year, uh, end of the decade special, mm-hmm. and uh, Scorsese named it one of his 10 favorite movies of the 90s. Yeah. I, it, it, wow. it still is that's one some, of mine. That's it, some high praise. Oh, wow. I don't, I just, I, it's weird. I probably wouldn't recommend it to, I don't know, like a, a young person now, I've but I've been that, borrowing this DVD for over a year. It's it for no, Wes no, no, Anderson. No, no, two years. I'd say it's for Wes Anderson completists yeah. now. Yeah. But I love it. And that's I, a good I watch, but the, the next movie. Yeah, so it's just huge breakthrough not his first film Danny Boyle but he yeah. definitely is breaking through into the mainstream so interesting about this movie uh, we can kind of uh, defer some of the conversation because apparently train spotting yeah. is this mm-hmm. week February 23rd but in the UK and Ireland mm-hmm. in the US uh. 
It's July nineteenth, ninety six. Can you just play yeah. the intro? So the, we can talk about it. But it has this, the best opening of any movie ever. Oh, this I got mean, a good story about this. This too. means we will be able to at least be able to discuss it more later. Ooh. When you're on junk, you have only one worry: scoring. And when you're off it, you're suddenly obliged to worry about all sorts of other shit. Got no money, can't get drunk. Got money, drinking too much. Can't get a girl, no chance of a ride. Got a girl, too much hassle. You have to worry about bills, about food, about some football team that never fucking wins, about human relationships, and all the things that really don't matter when you've got a sincere and truthful junk habit. This, this movie, I think, is every bit as watchable as it was back then. The music oh, really? is hilarious. The intro clip is what it, it's the best it re, opening it ever. It popularized Lust for Life, which was playing underneath that. Because this is just the first frame of the yeah. film. Iggy oh. Pop knows from junk. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a fucking big television. Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays, and electrical tin openers. The movie opens first frame. Two guys running from the cops to that music with a with a snarky VO and then hit by a car. It's the, the intro of this movie is great. It's on Netflix. Yep. Please watch Train Spotting if you haven't. They are making a sequel right now. Well, That's so weird. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It has an amazing cast. Totally. They were all like pretty much unknown. You got well, your Ewan McGregor's, yep. your Johnny Lee Miller's, your Robert Carlyle's, your Ewan Bremner's, Kelly McDonald, Kevin McKidd. Those are all amazing actors. Yeah, you see them all pop up all over the place at this point. Uh, I think, mm. what was Robert Carlyle just in? I feel like now Ian McGregor has uh, stepped back. Like, he doesn't really even do much. Star Wars money, dog. Yeah. You need to do your stupid uh, dramedies. You don't make yeah. a lot of money off Star Wars. Though. See, now, here's here's how I knew that this came out in the summer of 96, because that was the summer I was working at a one-screen uh, art house theater uh, in Newport Beach. And... It was pretty nice. It was very nicely restored, but we were like right across the street from a, a senior retirement home, mm-hmm. and they would come over every week. So we changed our movie almost every week, and they would ask me and sitting in the ticket booth by myself, "What's the movie? What's it about? <laughs> Did you see it? Was it any good?" And I tried so hard. Like so many costume dramas, they loved them. Cold Comfort Farm. They kept coming back with their friends. They loved it. That's a fun movie. Shut up. But I. I knew, no. And, and they would come in, they'd be so what's this movie about? I'm like, it's about junkies in Edinburgh, okay? Yeah. It's about, it's really gross. I don't, I keep telling them, like, I don't know if this is for you. Oh, well, I heard it got good reviews, so okay. And then we had it perfectly. A junkie shit to this girlfriend's face. We had it perfectly timed. We were going to lose at least half the audience when we got to the worst toilet in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And then about 14 minutes later, <laughs> when the bed sheet explodes, yep. the rest of them would leave. We were awesome. always waiting at the door with like free tickets, like, sorry, you didn't like it, ma'am. You sorry. have like that, that Fonzie moment, three, two, one, yes. door bursts open. Yeah, we had I, it. Well, I never. I remember Just stuff like, like sorry, that too, yeah. sorry, 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 here's your tickets. You. We told you. I tried to tell you. I, I, I love this movie a lot. We rented it. I, I rented it. It had a three-week late fee because I had to pass it around to all my friends because it was it didn't come to the local theaters, but everybody had heard about it. It made heroin uh, and vogue again for briefly. You know, you could have saved yourself that late fee by putting in your friend's uh, homemade porno and returning that. <laughs> I <guess. laughs> ah, references. Yes. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I just heard that. Oh, my God. That happened in the movie, people. Uh, you'll be surprised. Not surprised that I've never seen this movie. No. Yeah. Aww. But it's one that I'm like, I should watch it. The and the opportunity never comes up. Like it's, it's it's great. It's it's yeah. really good. And uh, I, don't, I can't imagine a young person of any generation not liking it. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, everything I've, I know about it. I mean, it's one of those movies where I've heard people have talked about it so much around yeah. me. I basically know 
the movie. Yeah. I just have not watched it. Uh, but we can dive into it a bit deeper uh, come July. But sure. zipping through the 90s, uh, TV this week, oh man. Roseanne goes to Disney World. <laughs> One of the worst. And, and soon all of ABC will you be mean, living uh, in Disney World. You mean the dirt poor uh, family from like Michigan? Yeah, we're dirt yeah. poor, Dan. Goes well, yeah, on, a, on a massive resort trip with she'll, 18 she'll explain family it right here. Uh, all right, so Roseanne? We're going to Gator World. No, you idiot. Disney World. You can't blow my hard-earned cash on a vacation. I hear they have something called... A beer garden. Hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like paying 1950 for a beer. And it's a two-parter. They don't even get to Disney World until the second episode. Oh they, they'd spend half of that episode saying, let's plan to go to Disney World. I, the second half, we're on a plane to Disney World. I cannot and believe this was legal. It was unbelievable. Did, and then, Disney bought ABC, and is that what happened? And then, yeah. And mm-hmm. then Almost within a year, every sitcom went to Disney World or Disneyland. And they're in the hotel, and they're just like, this is an amazing hotel. I love everything of it. I wish I could live. They don't shoot on location when they go to the White House or a local (laughs) museum, but they definitely shot on location in Disney World. And and also, Johnny Galecki's character even says, I didn't get a clip of that, but even says, like, how how are we paying for this? This is really expensive. And Dan just says, eh, who cares? It's just thousands per person, by the way. Yeah, so there's another uh, clip. Hey, Disney guy, come here quick. Oh, Roseanne. Oh, you asked for it. This woman is littering and totally destroying my fantasy experience. <laughs> Do your thing, Carl. Bust her. Good afternoon, ma'am. I'm sorry. I couldn't help noticing you had difficulty holding on to your refuse. I'd just like to point out that here at the Magic Kingdom, we provide numerous trash containers for your convenience. He's so nice. What? <laughs> wait, wait. Gonna, there's there's a bit of the, the two-finger Disney point, though. You hey, can't point with one finger. This polite stuff really works. But I feel so dirty. Just that line, I uh, feel so dirty. Yeah. Uh, I, Disney World's too good for the likes of us. I recommend, oh, no. there is a podcast out there where we talk about me going to Disneyland and, and misbehaving and the staff oh, yeah. that comes out, like, sees you on an invisible security oh, yeah. camera mm-hmm. and comes out and will not tell you to stop doing basically illegal things, yeah. but suggests other things you can yeah. do instead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they basically, like, yeah, guilt you into, like, I am being wrong, aren't I? Sir, should you be up there? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm but, yeah, there's something, like, man, again, like, uh, we've talked about this forever on other shows, but I didn't go to Disneyland until I was 32 or whatever, wow. 33, and then proceeded to go because uh, wife worked at mm-hmm. a Disney company, so we got we were able to go a lot. So I went from having never been to, like, I've gone nine times in two years. And and it got to this point where like even as an adult I'm like I feel like I should be behaving in here. Yeah. Like you know like and nobody in there's ever being just a titanic asshole. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like I gotta be good. I gotta be good. Well, uh, they, no, there are some assholes. I mean, there are dirtbag teenagers like me because I grew up not far from there. And Tragic and Kingdom Man annual pass was like the cost yeah. of like three admissions. Mm-hmm. It was like fuck that shit. So we go and be dirtbag gothy teenagers. <laughs> but like I never but, see that. Uh, I've been there yeah. so much. Yeah, well, if, that's if there world. is like uh, she's talking about land. Oh, no, well, I'm talking about land. He's talking about land. Oh, land, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is pretty impressive that I mean, there's undercover security and they're yeah. all watching you all the time, and it is like perfect mind controlled crowd oh, yeah. behavioral stuff where, yeah. yeah they come out of nowhere they always point with two fingers because one is too threatening you gotta point with two <laughs> the Bill and it's Clinton like thumb yeah it's like it's, you know is there a problem here ma'am i see you're beating your son uh, yeah. would you like to come over here and talk about that yep. or 
Here, here's uh, some fast passes. Got into several screaming arguments with my girlfriend who found out she got sick on rides. I told her, well, it's too fucking late to find that out now. We're here. <laughs> you fucking bitch! Excuse me. You guys having a good time? Yeah. Like, you, you better be. Some guy dressed like, you know, one quarter of a barbershop quartet. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, speaking of singing, uh, yeah. another clip. Racist. Who is singing in this clip? Uh, mother. How do you think this ends? I don't know. Uh, Roseanne said something. Snark. That's it. No, yeah. it's it's too happy. They couldn't. Uh, they don't, no do... one's going to talk over that song, man. Not on my show. But I do <laughs> think they. I won. Her mom's character is that she is very positive, but also inappropriately like racist and homophobic. And mm. but it's and so I wonder if that's why they had her sing of all Disney songs to sing yeah. Zippity Doo. I'm telling you, they had none of those connotations yet. It did not. I, I gotta think the Roseanne writers would no. be would mm. be. No, it was uh, it was on little kid VHSs and compilation albums. Like up until I would say like five years ago. And was, the other thing I identified in the episode is they spend much of it at Epcot because that's where they can drink. And they're like, oh man, they, yeah. maybe they were told like we got to do jokes about Dan drinking beer alright well you can drink beer at Epcot and you can just drink German beer and then this other beer I love Epcot so much uh, X-Files Pusher was also this week a, a very truly great uh, you mentioned uh, one of the first two the great monster of the week episodes yeah whenever uh, you see a list of greatest X-Files episodes that yeah. one is usually the earliest episode on it yeah that's uh, yeah that's like got nothing to do with the mythology it's also not like you know quote unquote gimmicky episode no. it's just like a guy who has some just ability a film yeah and I, it's a power where he can like what through talking and suggestion he's make basically you, purple oh, man I, from Jessica yeah Jones. I did see this one yeah and then like he's able to like give a guy a heart attack over the phone or something like it's that. It's amazing. And yeah. Vince Vince Gilligan wrote it too yeah. of Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad fame. And then also this week you mentioned uh, Freakazoid, yeah, uh, the fanboy episode. Yes. Oh, I love fanboy so much. Now this now his first appearance episode isn't where this clip is from, but this is my favorite fanboy clip. But so he is he's a wannabe sidekick for Freakazoid, mm-hmm. who is a crazy superhero character who really his power is referencing uh, nerdy things. Is it the last Steven Spielberg production with conjunction yeah, with yeah. that or hysteria it's when they hysteria. started yeah it was a kids it was original kids wb show mm-hmm. uh it wanted to be the simpsons of kids wb but it couldn't mm. it, ironically it holds successful. up really well it really, really does, does. and fanboy was way ahead of his time <laughs> and basically this is us or me here <laughs> just play it so he's in a courtroom and a judge is uh yelling at him i sentence you to either 30 days in county jail or 30 minutes listening to fanboy Wow, Freakazoid, cool. Hey, I was just talking to Harlan on the internet, and I told him I hadn't seen a good cyberspace scene like this one since Tron, which is not the film that broke the bank at Disney in 1983, as some believe. Oh, my God. Tron came out in 82, three years after Disney's The Black Hole, which was Movie Land's equivalent to the Hindenburg. What a disaster. And the robots? They made R2-D2 look like Lawrence Olivier. Lock me up and throw away the key. (laughs) 
Uh, wow. No, the fanboy is. Uh, I went as fanboy at Halloween that year. Actually, nice. I was like, I can wear this t-shirt and uh, shorts. I didn't wear the underpants he wears, right. and then a green cape, and there, boom! I'm wow. fanboy. So, Though he's drawn to look like Paul Dini. Yeah. Uh, looks just like Paul Dini, the co-creator of Batman the Animated Series, a mega dweeb in his own right. But uh, so, it, can can you have us ready for the date when fanboy meets Mark Hamill? Because oh. that was hilarious. Oh, God, that is a good one. That he, he's right there. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> now, I, just, I, that, I didn't remember references that specific happening. Yeah, uh, that's, in, that's, in, really, that's what I love about it. It was so specific. It like, has to be a specific, uh, like because it's WB taking some kind of crack at Disney. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, is that to agree? But whoever had talked about black hole ever yeah. on television? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not even Rabbit Faster, who was in it. Yeah. Uh, but rounding out the 90s video games this week, uh, again, it's this is early PS1 era, so um, I think last week we talked about Street Fighter Alpha coming mm-hmm. to PlayStation 1. This week, nothing particularly big. Johnny Bazooka Tone, you may remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, a platformer game for PS1 Saturn 3DO. Sega Saturn Magazine called it, quote, 300 hours of the most boring platform action ever invented. Uh, be like Sonic. And also a uh, PS1 game called Crazy Ivan. A mech, uh, yeah. a mech FPS uh, first-person shooter with live-action cutscenes on a blue screen yep. and terrible Russian accent. Um, but I remember renting this once and being like, nope, and not playing it again. Crazy Ivan would later become a maneuver for the Firefly gang in the movie Serenity. Because it's already in Hunt for Red October. Oh, my bad. Where they turn the sub upside down. I haven't seen it. Um, Taking us out for music, though, we mentioned Rumble in the Bronx earlier, and uh, I watched the credits of that damn thing so many times, and the cut, the outtakes, and the music that plays over that, it's just burning in my brain forever. So this is from the credits music, uh, the outtakes from Rumble in the Bronx. When we come back, what happened in 2006? internet and all the ships at sea this is diana's classic corner we look back even further into the past this week and see if there are any movies worth watching uh 50 years ago this week we've got uh, the chase and arthur penn film with marlon brando and jane fonda and we got harper which is a paul newman movie uh detective type thing 
Of the two, I'd say Harper's probably the better one to watch. Chase is interesting, but I, I just like Paul Newman, okay? Uh, 75 years ago this week, absolute recommend The Lady Eve, another Preston Sturgis movie. I know I talked about Sullivan's Travels online. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. This is another great Preston Sturgis movie. It's got uh, Barbara Stanwyck as this con artist and Henry Fonda as the guy that she keeps tricking in a lot of complicated, goofy, wacky, slapsticky kind of ways. Uh, The Lady Eve, 100% recommend it. Uh, I think that's about it for this week. Stay classic. Microscopic Conqueror. The Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap. Only for Game Boy Advance. Rated everyone. Bringing us in is Block Party's Helicopter. Yeah. Uh, great song from a great album, Silent Alarm. Uh, the album itself came out bef- well before this, but uh, it, two reasons I'm coming in with this, coming in with this is, uh, one, it premiered as a single, Helicopter, the song bringing mm-hmm. us in, premiered as a single in the U.S. only in February 21st this week. I'm pretty sure. Is there an English band? Yeah, yeah. Silent Alarm. Uh, a lot of good stuff on that CD. And then they had another album after this called Weekend in the City, which comes out later this year. But this is an album I got into like right when I moved to California 10 years ago mm-hmm. in the same exact time frame of this segment, 2006. Uh, Every 2006 segment reminds me I stopped paying attention to music in 2006. Yeah. Well, this, this song made me want to pay attention to more music. I yeah. really did like Helicopter. Yeah, Block Party itself is a great... like Their first three albums, are, I haven't keep up after that, but through 2008 mm-hmm. and nine even, I was paying attention to them, and their stuff's all really good. The last thing I heard about them was the lead singer coming out, though. Oh, that is it. That's really? Yeah, that was almost 10 I years ago. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, check on it. Still number one. That Pink Panther bump is Woo! still given... Uh, <laughs> Beyonce still is... Embrace uh, it, Diana. Still I a big s- deal no, today. I still, I still love Beyonce. We'll, <laughs> we'll never get a third one unless you embrace Steve Martin's Pink Panther. Come on. No. no. Uh, new albums I, just... I only embrace two of the original Pink Panthers. <laughs> Not, no love for return? <laughs> what about Revenge? Is that the one in the nudist colony? Which one is it? There's always nudist colonies. Uh-huh. We're getting some grinding feedback on the tape. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> new albums this week from William Orbit, Crystal Method soundtrack for the movie London, uh, which we <laughs> talked about, and like nobody, we, none of us had heard Never of this, but a movie called London that released earlier in the month. Uh, but Crystal Method's soundtrack to it came out this week. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. uh, this movie called London stars Chris Evans in between being Human Torch, yeah. Jason Statham in between Transporters. And Jessica Biel, along with Dane Cook and Louis C.K., yeah, all in a movie with a soundtrack by Crystal Method. And I'm like, what? how did we all never hear of this how, yeah. ever? I, I've Probably only heard of it because it would sit there on like my Xfinity On Demand. Like, every time I look for, like, you get any free movies for me? the fuck yeah. is that? I've never heard of it. London's this. always here for you. Please don't. Use okay, London, it's got all these people. Well, when we watch the trailer, it's just... 
it is the cliche of a of a cheap indie film that yeah, like we have everybody in it for five minutes. Yeah, and, and uh, we're clearly filming at friends' houses and hotel lobbies that look like big it's parties. It's all at a party all day, and yeah. it's uh yeah, it, it looks very cheap. I mean, Chris Evans still hot as a motherfucker, but. Uh, yeah, it's just... I don't know. A young man receives an emergency phone call on a cell phone from an older woman. The catch? The woman claims to be kidnapped. That's... that's there you go. You know what would have been a better catch? What's that? Anything. Anything. <laughs> uh, movies... Uh, movies not about London. Speaking of... <laughs> oh, because that's someone's name. Yeah, it's someone's like name. Like Brooklyn. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's confusing. <laughs> or is it like Brooklyn? I don't... Who knows? We don't know yet. Um, but uh, movies this <laughs> week, speaking of movies... Mm-hmm. Uh, Eight Below is number one, the Paul Walker Saves the Doggies movie that we talked about a little bit last week. $40 million to make. This movie made $120 million oh, about dogs man. and Paul Walker. Dogs and Paul Walker are bank. That does sound... Money. I, I kind of want that as a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, the art of this movie is incredible with him smiling, looking all handsome, and then the dogs right, all the around dogs him. The dogs are like surrounding oh, him. Yeah, yeah. He's an iris of dogs. Those, do- <laughs> <laughs> Those dogs are... Mwah. Uh, remake of a 1983 film, Antarctica, which was itself based on IRL events. That's, well, that's my notes. A real event. Uh, a Japanese team venturing to Antarctica, then having to flee, and then returning after a year and finding two of the dogs still alive. Wow. Whoa. And so those dogs managed to survive that time, and that's what this movie is called, Eight Below. Mm-hmm. Ebert, thumbs up to Eight Below. But this week, not number one, but came out... Medea's Family Reunion, yeah. which we won't, t- okay. which whatever. I didn't see it. I can't add anything further to it. Hey, Tyler Perry owns Atlanta, man. He's a big deal. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's one of his I liked. Surely there was one I that I don't saw. Think there's one of those that you've you've seen. I, I had to have seen one of them. Uh, I know I must have um, because at some point they turned into um, Ernest movies. The first, <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's fair. I, they I kind that's of true. They went to they jail. They had yeah. saved Christmas. Well, for Medea <laughs> they true. did, but that's like a fourth of his films. He's I know, made yeah. a million yeah. without Medea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so Chris, I think you recently on a stream asked me who I would want to come out, and I said I said uh, Queen Latifah, but I think now I'd switch it to Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. Yeah, that he's. He's, there's a whole Boondocks episode about it too. That he's, <laughs> he is very obviously gay, but that, that is just playing into stereotypes. Yeah, but he also plays into stereotypes. But his he, films, he plays into stereotypes. I'm saying that's a stereotype just because he wears lots of baby blue sweaters. It's and he casts gorgeous men. Yeah, and he writes good parts for women, which obviously no straight man would ever do. And so for all those reasons, please tell us that stereotypes are bad after all of this. <laughs> no, I he's uh, the first time I I had. No clue who he was when the first Medea film came out, even though the trailers were sold on his popularity. But I, I was just some honky who'd never heard of his the, success. Being, <laughs> being living in the South and working at, at Suncoast, uh, circa two thousand one. Especially the Suncoast part is relevant. It, well, it is because like that's people would ask, "Do you have this Tyler Perry movie?" I'm like, "Who the fuck is that?" And eventually, like there are pe- more people asking for this movie than there are for like brand new releases of films that made a hundred million dollars because this is the first time most people are getting the opportunity to see it. It was huge, <laughs> huge in the south yeah. it's a very southern style thing uh yeah the first trailer of his i saw was for diary of a mad black woman which was mm-hmm. right before hotel rwanda when i saw that and when i saw it i was like oh okay i know what type of films this is and then medea shows up i'm like what the fuck is this like it's a character a character from another movie has invaded this movie <laughs> like this it's insane that you have like cicely cicely tyson i believe is in it and there's all this like earnest acting earnest acting and then up and then here comes Medea with a chainsaw like cutting a (laughs) sofa in half and 
It's it it is of totally all of. It just reminds me of Jim Varney's like when he would play the old woman and put the giant neck brace on. And anyway, the the movie we did want to talk about this week though is speaking of Paul Walker running running scared. Running scared. This is one of those times I'm excited that we get to do this show because we I rarely feel like. I, I'm alone in championing a movie. Um, no one talks about this movie. Nobody likes this movie. This movie was a giant bomb. Paul Walker, had, I would say, did no other thing remarkable outside of the Fast and the Furious series other than this film. And the dog movie. Uh, th- this film is so much fun. So this, ahead of its is, time. This he passed great. away many... I read multiple articles that said... He was a great. He was a very good actor who had terrible choices. Like he just picked the easy money choices in most cases. And but. this, I, I, I don't know any much about this director, but um, what's his name? Uh, Wayne Kramer. Mm. Wayne Kramer, and he makes a bunch of uh, movies like seemingly like this with a huge ensemble cast that yeah. you've never heard of. But he has like two or three others like that. Um, but stars Paul Walker, Chas Palminteri, uh, the guy from Fringe, and Vera Farmiga, the oh. female lead of Departed. Yep. Uh, yeah, this movie. Uh, how, how does it, how do we sum it up? Oh wait, I have Paul Walker to sum it up for you. Yeah, the intro. I try to live an ordinary life, but I run with a very dangerous crew, and it's my job to clean up the messes they make. No questions asked. It was all working out for me. Go wash out. Those hands are scary. The way I figured it, what my family doesn't know won't hurt them until that night. Get down. Are you okay? The night someone took that gun. I'm gonna find that gun because I got the toughest mob in the world. So the whole movie, and this is why it's so great. The the whole movie is Paul Walker is a low level crook. There is a giant uh, shootout between a gang and a robber and a gang. It turns out the people in the mask are corrupt police officers. And they have to hide. And what the gang shoots one of the cops. The cops come after the guys. In the balls with a gun. In the balls like, with a gun. And yeah. the gun has to be hidden. The gun is found by the kid across the street who lives with abusive parents. He shoots his father. All oh. of a sudden, evidence in the kid runs away with the gun. And so, all right, you have Russian mobsters, corrupt cops. And then we go into, at some point, armed junkies, murderous hockey players, a sweet-ass convertible, a pair of pedophiles who dab- uh, dabble in amateur snuff films, uh, and a vicious pussy eating scene. This film, yeah. this film is a different thing every yeah, ten minutes. It is the most ADD yet, uh, yet like it's most MTV music video crane shot. It, yeah, like, it is like super, and, yeah, super fast cuts and like it's like the camera is never still for more than two seconds at a time. And even when it's a sustained shot, it's still like jerking around or something. Yeah. It's like imagine the Shield or Twenty Four, a whole season condensed mm-hmm. into ninety minutes. It is breathless. It, and, it, yeah, it's. And it goes from so many places to, like like you said, it's like you're in somebody's house. You're in a hockey rink, and yeah. somebody's getting their face smashed in with hockey pucks. And then now you're going into, who are these other people who are kidnapping kids and putting them in bags and then filming them having sex with them, and then they suffocate them <laughs> yeah. to death? That has yeah. no bearing on the plot. It's, it's just it's this like, weird aside for 30 minutes. We've compared it to, like, a... like. Latter seasons of Twenty Four, where his daughter has to get into just as much danger. So, like, oh, right. if something happens Cougar's to ev- yeah, something. Ha- it's like that, and like I call it. It's two thousand six is the Warriors. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know you're saying it's was up rockers, but that was two thousand five. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was ready to correct. In that, in that, it's I like the Warriors because it's like a game because everything it's mm-hmm. it has levels, not yeah. necessarily yeah. acts, uh, and they just constantly walk into a new situation. Everything gets fucking crazy. Yeah, there's another clip okay. here called. Uh, what I did mention is that it also has an albino pimp. Oh, <laughs> oh. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> That's real fucking original. 
What are you, a fucking cartoon? I'm a Mac Daddy pimp. You know that. And now I'm gonna cap your ass. And when I'm finished with you, I'm gonna take your little punk friend, and I'm gonna put him in my posse. And I'm gonna pimp him out for a couple of months, and then I'm gonna take that knife of yours, and I'm gonna cut him from ear to ear, just like they should have done yesterday, you fuck! <laughs> Wow, and this By the way, is, that's a kid he's talking about pimping out, like a little a seven year old boy. And this is one, wow, one character. That's, that's one character returning from a previous five minute sequence for another one minute sequence. It's yeah. this movie is really fucking fun. Nobody yeah. talks about it. I think yeah. it made seventeen million. It cost seventeen million dollars. Made six. Mm. Uh, I never hear anybody mention it. And yeah. if if you want to. Celebrate Paul Walker. I mean, we said this when he died. Watch this fucking movie. Like, it's what real it, fun. Yeah, what had happened is like we were going to do a shit lords where we all come over and watch bad movies together, but then Paul Walker died, and we're like, mm-hmm. emergency viewing, emergency bat signal up, yeah. Paul Walker symbol goes up. We're going to watch Fast and the Furious, and let's watch Eight Below because it'll be happy, and we can watch them run around with these beautiful dogs in the snow. It'll be so great. And then Chris is like, look. I know. I never, I never say what about this because you don't do that when someone plans a bill. It's like I know you guys really want to watch this movie, but trust me. And so we did, and it's uh, man, that what a treat! Every just yeah. a, a true roller coaster where I'm like, I'm out of breath yeah. watching a movie. Is this and, even? Where are we? How am long I Peter Travers all of a sudden? How did this happen? <laughs> it's really ridiculous, but really poppy, and like the even the animated sequence reminds you that this is basically like a there's an like, animated sequence. Oh yeah, the, the, oh, of course. The, what am the I saying? credits are animated. Sorry, uh, but it's it animates the rest of the movie just to remind you that this is like you just watched four years of a comic book uh, rolled up into ninety minutes. Yeah, and I, I read in the trivia that during there's a there's when the gun goes off and shoots between houses. There's a CSI Wuxi cam that follows the trail of the bullet, mm-hmm. uh, but it's done practically, uh, so it goes the, traces the bullet back, but also rewinds the time that where the bullet crashed. Mm-hmm. Paul Walker's discovering the bullet hole, rewinds back in time, and you see his, him sitting with his family. It was uh, his brother, Caleb, oh, yeah. who also ended up doubling oh. for him in Fast 7, but he did it first in Running Scared. Wow. Because <laughs> wow. they, they look almost exactly the same, minus, like give or take. 15 years they look really similar oh, they're not actually twins no they're not twins no, for but, some reason I thought but they look a twin brother. dude they look very similar huh. um, moving briefly through games this week uh, 10 years ago uh, this is strange because I reviewed both of these back Ooh. in uh, the early games radar days the, uh, the, the literal dark period where you weren't quite yet live yeah the, the site still wasn't live and the site we hadn't done a single article about girls or a top 7 yet so uh, didn't <laughs> don't regret it. <laughs> uh, I don't regret most of it after we got through that hump of like oh did that traffic just do that forever like yeah. what if we uh, tried more um, which we eventually did and we'll talk about that later but the site launched in March of 06 so we'll get there but Super Monkey Ball Touch and Roll, Ooh. the DS Monkey Ball requisite to launch-ish mm-hmm. game, but this yeah. is still over a year after the DS launched. But this is getting into the window of the DS Lite coming mm-hmm. out in North America. Uh, Touch and Roll, perfectly fine DS game, but like there's seven Monkey Ball since then, so I don't know why you would go to this one. Um, I miss loving Monkey Ball. I do too. I th- you did a music episode on it. There's a BG like, Empire about Monkey Ball, man. Go beautiful. check it out. Uh, also, Sonic Riders, the Sonic... Snowboarding jet, jet boarding snowboarding thing where they introduce even more new characters such as Jet the Hawk. Yeah, and I was gonna say chicken, but he's a hawk. he's a hawk. Uh, Beat the dead horse. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, but I had to review all versions of it, and it's like wow. three skews, and they're all bad, oh and gosh. I didn't like it. And then it made a comeback on Connect. Uh, comeback. <laughs> yeah, I saw Sonic Riders was not for me, and. Well, I mean, I knew what I it wasn't for. I people. can't even say it's not for me because I'm like, I like racing games, yeah. and I don't hate Sonic out of out of hand. So I'm like, yeah, okay, it this is good. I'll, like a good I'll... fit because they couldn't really make a good 3D Sonic yeah. adventure game. Yeah. Uh, they, so yeah. why not race? But then, yeah. like, I don't know. Uh, TV this week, the BAF Awards, British uh, <laughs> Associate Film Awards. They're the... Bafo. Yeah, it's yeah. The, it's the it's their version of British. British uh, of I want to go with British Academy with... of Film and. Were they also yeah. award things to games for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. And, t- and TV, and TV. Yeah, yeah, but they do everything. Uh, uh, Brokeback Mountain was a big winner. That is Woo. February nineteenth, and uh, the only other one I made a note of is that Wallace and Gromit: Curse so of the Were Rabbits. Uh, a one best British film. I wow. think it's a case of arson. What? <laughs> Yeah, someone awesome around. Yeah. I love that. Love that movie. I, That's it, a great oh, movie. Fun. It's still, a really great movie. Yeah. The, uh, there's a scene in it where it doesn't look that difficult, but in the commentary they say it's the one that drove them crazy, yeah. which was just everybody at that meeting yeah. arguing because it is like. 20 yeah. different claymation people all talking and moving at the same Arnest, time. It, that's so well done, you forget, oh yeah, this isn't CG at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. And this is a room full of people every, arguing Every with now one and then there'll be like someone's fingerprint yeah. on someone's nose and it's like, <laughs> oh my god, I can imagine moving this around. You know what this is better than? Hmm. Dougal, which also came out this week. Uh, Dougal is one of the worst things that has ever happened. <laughs> is that the bald kid? The dog movie, that's right? Oh, dog. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. I, I, so I remember bad. how to spell it for so, like, some reason. I saw it in the list and then I clicked through and it like it changed to like the foreign name of it and I was like, The oh, Magic I, Roundabout? I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Oh, so I didn't put it in here but like, no, I was super confused by it. That's that's it. I just saw. Uh, I, I recognized it because John Stewart was a voice in it, and I thought, yeah. like, oh, I gotta see this. People are voices. Oh, Chase, Judy Dench, Ian McKellen, Kevin Smith, Bill oh, Hader, uh, John Krasinski, Jimmy Fallon. Wow, Whoopi Goldberg, mm-hmm. William H Macy, Chevy Chase. Jesus Christ, Kylie Minogue. I'll stop right now. Holy crap! Yeah, it's unwatchable. That actually brings us to the end of the 2006 segment. Oh, oh actually, uh, I have to. Oh. I have to add a add uh, a sad note. Oh. Ten years ago this week, let me give you the exact date. February twenty fourth, we lost Don Knotts. Oh my oh. god! Eighty one years old. Why wow. is a crying shame? <laughs> so Maybe. I guess uh, I want to fuck a fish. It's too <laughs> it's too late to do it now. But I wanted to do. So man, we should have remembered this what, because the, the Don Knotts. You there, like there was like two episodes in a row where Don Knotts kept coming up, yeah, mm-hmm. legitimately. And mm-hmm. I was like, we should do a bit where every week we talk about like, and this week actually Don Knotts died. I and we were gonna do like come oh, up with God. a different thing every Remember week. Remember that like, we talked about this it. Like, week and Don Knotts. He really is gonna yeah. die. Yeah, and but like bring it up sincerely and just woven into like. It, it, it won't even be consistent. Like sometimes it's the '80s that he died. Sometimes it's 2006. It doesn't matter. And then Chris is like, "Well, let's look up when he actually died." And you're like, "It's in three weeks." Like, <laughs> this joke we don't have. This joke we can joke do off. it. Like we've already recorded that episode. Like what? <laughs> so, uh, R.I.P. Don Knotts and uh. and R.I.P. The Don Knotts is dead every week. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> Looking down on you from heaven. <laughs> Uh, I always get him confused with the voice of Jiminy Cricket, and then in Pinocchio, Emperor of the Night, he plays Jiminy Cricket. Hey. Yeah, beautiful casting, yeah. much better than Mister Furley. Uh, now go watch Andy Griffith's show, people. Oh, yeah, fantastic. I can say this show. again. It, it's on Netflix. It is. Yeah, I was just. Awesome. I wanted to scroll through the preview images to see when what uh, season they went color. Right. And it was season. Just watch five. any episode from like the first six years, and yeah. you're good. 
And that, that, in fact, brings us to the end of the segment. <gasps> you are all garbage! <laughs> and moving in from that directly into... Oh, birthday! <laughs> uh, the birthday segment at the end of the show we do. Thank you, Home Movies, once again. Let me just turn this even more down. Uh, birthdays for this time period, uh, February, whatever we said it was, mm-hmm. uh, 19th to the 25th. In this, in this week that we just lived through, Rihanna, Cork... Quark, Kurt Cobain, Ellen Page, Drew Barrymore, Dakota Fanning, Emily Blunt, Steve Job, comma S, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr., George Harrison, and Ric Flair. Woo! Ric wow. Flair is however old you thought he was. He is a year older than that now. <laughs> it's, it's quite a collective of uh, people. There. Uh, and also, here's the quiz. Right. Try to guess this person. It's kind of sad, actually. Oh. <laughs> Uh, born this week in 1941, mm. on February 21st. Dakota Fanning. The, the state of Dakota was founded. Uh, founded graphic design studio called Graffiti. Went on to become famous actor. Oh, in, is it Phil Hartman? No. Oh. This is someone who has recently passed, oh. close to their own birthday. Oh, no. Became a famous actor in movies like Sweeney Todd and... Oh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Rickman. So his birthday was February 21st, mm. and he died, what, just like a month ago? Yeah, yeah the first well, first week of January. Man. A tribute on Laser yeah. Time to him and David Bowie. Uh, good, oh, yeah. Give it a listen. But man, what a bummer town. Nope. Sorry to let him... We did watch on our Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Commentary can, uh, up, too. You can donate uh, and support this show and all the other 12 shows that we do on the <laughs> network. Maybe it's six. Who can count? Yeah. Uh, but we did do a, a Galaxy Quest uh, stream. Uh, sure did. We watched uh, it again. By Grabthar's in. Hammer. What, you watched that movie. What a saving. What a saving. Such, <laughs> such a great movie. Really holds up, I'd say. Very, very it funny. Does. And we did our longest sequel gaps. And I think I, something has to happen where Galaxy Quest goes to. Yeah. Happens at some point. We can't deal like with that Rickman now. We, this is a borderline Roger Rabbit shaving a haircut thing. So I have to get this out. By Grabthar's Hammer. What a savings. <laughs> uh, oh, so great. That is the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, I also host VG Empire, the video game music podcast. We talk about game music. We did two Zelda episodes, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, relating back to Zelda turning 30. Uh, there's a Hyrule Hits Volume 1 and a Hyrule Hits Volume 2. Uh, you can check us out on VG Empire. Uh, and there's this, of course, 302010, which you're already Woo! listening to. <laughs> and Talking Simpsons. If you like uh, little little uh, glimpses into the past, we uh, do uh, do something very like this show at the beginning of our chronological breakdown of every episode of The Simpsons. Really fun if you're a Simpsons fan. And if you wanted to ever watch a Simpsons episode while driving your car, it's the closest thing to it. <laughs> uh, I also do Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast where every week we talk about the newest events in the world of comic books and their movies and TV shows and all that stuff, including our recent review of the Deadpool film, along with Ooh. biographies of characters like Deadpool, Colossus, and the entire dimension of DC's Earth 2. And my husband hosts Video Game Apocalypse, where they talk about video game stuff even more than we already did. Just talked about a lot. I bet they're going to talk more about Zelda, I'm thinking, with the anniversary and all. And since it's the 30th anniversary of Legend of Zelda, I will take us out with a delightful remix from our friends at ocremix.org. Uh, I've been know those guys for about t- almost 10 years now, but a lot of great fan mixes, remixes, arrangements, uh, full concept albums, all kinds of great stuff over on Overclocked Remix. But uh, thanks for listening. You can find us, of course, on iTunes, on Twitter, LazerTime, mm-hmm. Twitter, LazerTimePodcast.com, 
We stream on twitch.tv slash lasertime. All that good stuff. Woo. We'll see you next week.